Hi, welcome to Statehouse Soundbites, WITF's Pennsylvania Politics Podcast. I'm Katie Meyer, State Capitol Bureau Chief for WITF. You can hear my reports on public radio stations across the state. We are recording this episode on Friday. Oh, it's August already, August 11th. Uh, it's like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. We're in Little Lamb's Coffee Shop. And I am here with Wallace McKelvey of Penn Live. How are you? I'm happy to be here. Wallace just got back from vacation. He's being very kind <laughs> to record this today. Wallace, how was your vacation? Oh, it was lovely. I was in Nashville and Memphis, uh, two of my favorite places to be. And now we're in central Pennsylvania, and it's raining outside. So, <laughs> yeah. And I forgot my umbrella. I'm sorry. Well, anyway, okay, so we have, um, uh, well, first off, we should say there's not a whole lot happening with budget negotiations or the legislature generally in the Capitol right now. Uh, the House is still considering a plan that the Senate sent over at the end of last month, and we are just, you know, waiting and hoping that they're going to come to some uh, decision on how to proceed relatively soon. It's an appropriate time to talk about water quality, isn't it? And today, <laughs> today we're going to talk about the issue on everyone's mind, uh, water quality. Now, Wallace, um, you have been covering this for several months. I've seen you doing stories pretty consistently on the topic, and it's not necessarily something... um, It's it's not a sexy story, but it's one that you need to pay attention to. Yeah, and I do think this is a really important thing to be covering because it, it ties into the budget, actually, and it ties into... You know, I guess it looks. It's really what we value in state politics. I think that's kind. Of, it's it points to that in a lot of ways. So, Wallace, um, we're going to go through some of the key issues involved in this. So, first off, why why should people care about water quality? And what's what's like? What are the main issues that are wrapped up in this? So, if you are on a public water system, so that means if you drink water from your tap at home. Or if you have kids who go to a school that has its own water system, or you ever go camping, or you go to any other place that has kind of a a water system that covers a handful to hundreds or thousands of customers, uh, you are relying on that drinking water to be clean and to be free of contaminants. Here's where we get to. Uh, What you're actually relying on is the Pennsylvania Department of Environmental Protection and its inspectors. Uh, They go out and ensure that all these drinking water systems, there's about 8,500 statewide, that they are doing their job properly, that they're properly treating the water, that it's coming from clean sources, and that when it gets to your faucet, um, it doesn't have lead or fecal coroform or other contaminants that can sicken you. Mm-hmm. This is uh, one of the key functions of government, and it's also, interestingly enough, it's protected by the state constitution. The state constitution says that uh, the people have a right to clean air, pure water, and to the preservation of the natural, scenic, historic, and aesthetic values of the environment. So, so as Pennsylvanians, <laughs> that's You are right. entitled to clean water. And so now, I, just to bring it into a national context, too, in the last couple of years, we've seen a lot of very high-profile stories Flint, about Michigan. water quality. Flint, Michigan yeah. being a primary one. But especially when we're talking about lead in water, a lot of municipalities in Pennsylvania are on a similar level with Flint. Isn't that what's been found? Indeed. Yeah. And what you've got here, there are a couple ways that contaminants get into water. Yeah. 
One of them is from the actual source itself. Uh, so uh, I, one of the big stories I wrote a few months back, I looked at this place called Zelianopol, and it's out in the western end of the state. And yep. back in around, the, uh, around like 2000, 2001, they did this thing where they, uh, their primary water source was running low because they were in the middle of a drought. This is a fairly common occurrence. They went back to their second secondary source of water, which happened to be the Conakonessing Creek. Like a lot of waterways in Pennsylvania, it had a long history of industrial use. And there were kind of chemicals that had built up in that waterway for a very long time. When they switched over, they didn't properly account for that. And it led to a major contamination incident. Part of the problem was that the state DEP didn't find out about it immediately because they basically there was no way to find out until after the contamination took place. So that's one way that contaminants get into your water. Another way, and we saw this recently in Pittsburgh, was uh, you know when a, a water system doesn't properly treat the water that it gets. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in Pittsburgh, it was uh, they. Bacteria got into the water because they didn't weren't using uh, appropriate kind of uh, levels of. Wallace almost knocked over his coffee, but he caught it, so yes. that was really impressive. I have cat-like reflexes, <laughs> but I also talk with my hands. Right. So. Uh, so if you if you don't properly treat the water, then you can it can lead to problems down the line. Yeah. In Flint, Michigan, that happened because they switched. It was a combination where they switched to. A, a new source of drinking water. They didn't account for what that would do to the lead pipes down the line right. because it was a more corrosive kind of water source, and that led to le- lead kind of leaching out of the pipes across that entire community. Yeah. And that brings us to lead. Uh, lead which, pipes and a lot of old infrastructure. I know it's been a big issue in Philly and in Pittsburgh. And in Pittsburgh yeah. and in York. Um, Older cities, really. Yeah. And it, that's a situation where if you live in an older home or you live in an older neighborhood, you're, you could potentially be at risk of lead exposure uh, and that you're at a greater risk than you would be in a newer development. Uh, and, and so that's another thing that you have to take into account. So we know, I think a lot of people are well-versed in the risks that can be run from these kind of contaminants. But I think where we often get lost in this discussion is, like, why that's allowed to happen. In the first place, what is the breakdown on the state level that allows a state to not properly look at what's happening with its water? Because yeah. there are, obviously, constitutional right. There's protections that are in place. So, well, so what, what happens? You, you may have a constitutional right to pure water, but that means that you have to actually protect that right and make sure it's carried out. And, and this is the primary problem. Like many problems in state government, it comes down to money. Money, money, money. So if we do for context. Pennsylvania has not enough money. Um, we are for many things. For many things, but just in a budget context, I want to point out we're looking at a two billion dollar funding gap in the spending plan that lawmakers passed at the end of June, and they're still working on how to fund that. So, financial situation overall not good. We're relying on short term credit right now. That's the larger context by which we come to the fact that there's not enough money for water inspectors. So so when it comes down to protecting your drinking water, that uh, basically is in the hands of the State Department of Environmental Protection. And for the last, for for the better part of a decade, they have been systemically 
uh, underfunded. And not only underfunded, but they've seen their budget cuts year after year after year. This started during the Rendell administration, actually, and it continued under Tom Corbett. This is post-economic crash that we said. Indeed, uh, and, and under you know Tom Corbett, you know he came into office saying that he wanted to reduce the size of government, and he stuck to that pledge. Um, you know, so under Rendell and then under Corbett, so you under, saw these budget cuts at the DEP. So under Rendell, what was like? What were the levels of budget cuts, and then under Corbett, what happened? Well, I, I, it's if hard. You don't have ex- it, it, I, I can't give time. you the exact figures, but to to put this in perspective, yeah. over the last decade. 754 positions inside the Department of Environmental Protection have been cut. Yeah, so that's... That's a significant amount of their workforce. And and we're not just talking about water quality. Uh, We're talking about the folks that inspect oil and gas, uh, the air quality division. It it covers basically everything the Department of Environmental Protection does. And have these all been like inspector positions or inspector adjacent positions? It's it's been across the table. These these cuts have come from virtually every department that they have. Right. Uh, It's particularly acute in water quality because it is such an important thing. Uh, And and what you're looking at here is, you know, right now there are 61 water quality inspectors on the books, and they are in charge of inspecting 8,500 water systems. But there are seven vacancies. So you subtract the seven from the 61, that means there are 54. And then you go even further, 11 of the 54 are actually in training. Training can take up to two years before the trainee is able to go out on their own and actually do the job of ensuring that public water systems are are properly functioning, that they are doing their work, and that the water is treated properly. So in effect, I mean, you're, you're looking at uh, 43 fully trained water inspectors in charge of 8,500 water systems. You, you can have, just do the math. Yeah, and I'm assuming that these people have too much on their plates as it is. I mean, does quality go down when you stretch your inspectors at them? Yeah, and, and the DEP has not been shy about saying this. Yeah. Uh, granted, you kind of have to confront them on it, but when you do, they... They're honest. Yeah. Like the, the, they are overmaxed in this area. Uh, and this came to the attention of the Environmental Protection Agency, right. the feds, which uh, the feds, they generally have left the enforcement of water quality to the states. It's something called primacy. Uh, so the EPA generally, they, they don't, they, they take a hands-off approach but when they see that there's problems, they will intervene. And have they intervened? They have intervened. <laughs> in, in what way? In December, they sent a letter to the state DEP saying that uh, Pennsylvania was risking serious public health implications because of its lack of staffing and lack of funding for its water quality program. Uh, that's a really big deal. And and basically what that boils down to is under the Safe Drinking Water Act, which was passed in the 1970s, it it came out of, many of these environmental regs came out of the Nixon administration, a Republican, if you can believe that. Uh, But the Safe Drinking Water Act, it sets standards for how many times a water system should be inspected. I want to actually say for context, too, you mentioned a Republican, in fact, but 
back in the day, like in the 60s and into the 70s, when we saw the Clean Air Act, the Clean Water Act, these weren't seen as partisan laws. They no. were seen as common sense. I mean, these the, these laws originally, if you want me to put my historian cap on, on. They, they came out of uh, basically... You look at uh, one of the famous examples is like the burning river in Ohio, but there was a there was a period of, of you know more than a century where there were no environmental regulations whatsoever. Yeah. So you had intense pollution of rivers of air. It led to all sorts of health problems. It led to mountains being strip mined and oh, run off. Then it led to a very popular uprising, Rachel Carson's Silent Spring. That yeah. was a big in- part of why that all happened. So there are a number of high-profile incidents yeah. of uh, major public health crises that, that played out over decades. Mm-hmm. They kind of, you know, the, the, the environmental movement as we know it, is rooted in the 1960s with Rachel Carson. Rachel Carson. We have a building in ha- downtown Harrisburg named after her. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and it, it, that's that's kind of how it came to be. We, that's why we have these protections in place. Yeah. And the EPA is basically saying that Pennsylvania has fallen down on the job yeah. and that it, it's mathematically impossible, given the level of staffing, uh, for the state to properly inspect water quality. Uh, and enforce it. And so now I think it's interesting, like, when we talk about this, you'd think that we would hear about this a whole lot more, especially since the EPA essentially has said this is a health risk to lots and lots of people. But even, you know, on the legislative level, there aren't very many lawmakers who have made this a key issue in their campaigns. A lot of the ones that we've seen are from the big cities, so Philly and Pittsburgh, and some from areas of the state. I know some in northeastern PA have started talking yeah. about this. But you there, know, there are a couple of reasons for that. Yeah, and one of the ones I wanted to put out there right away is wealth. I think yeah. lawmakers with poor constituents tend to be well, making this it's an It's issue. wealth and it's also, you know, uh, you have to define your terms a little sure. bit because there are private water wells and Pennsylvania and most states uh, does not enforce water quality for private wells. Yeah. So if you're on a private well, usually if you're in the country, yeah. uh, you are basically solely responsible for ensuring the water quality of that well. Um, there are a few exceptions. You're supposed to be notified, for example, if there's a uh, oil or gas well spill that could affect your water quality, although that's an imperfect system as well, but we won't get in there. Uh, but if you're on a private well, uh, DEP is not responsible for your water quality. If you're on a public system, which would be generally in more kind of suburban and urban areas, DEP is responsible for you. And then you have folks uh, we were discussing before the podcast, uh, you know, like Vince Hughes, mm-hmm. um, Senator Udichak from the northeastern part of the state Vince near Wilkesbury, Philly, yeah, yeah. The, the generally the lawmakers who are in more urban areas where they have a lot more of these public water systems, these big systems, and they also have a lot more infrastructure problems because you know, as we said. Uh, generally speaking, it's the older neighborhoods and in the older homes that have the biggest problem with this contamination, uh, and also the older water systems. Mm-hmm. There's a tremendous infrastructure problem associated with drinking water uh, because there hasn't been enough investment to keep up. Yeah. So you have some systems, some treatment plants um, that are maybe a century old at this point. And these are issues, right, that are just, I mean, it's expensive to fix 
water systems, it's expensive to fix pipelines. And so these issues, the same thing happens with transportation, where they're put off and they're put off until there's a very real problem that needs to be addressed in the short term. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's typically how it works, not to generalize. But so, you know, as you said, we've been seeing concern from lawmakers in Philly and some in Pittsburgh, some from the Northeast areas, I think like the Scranton area, there's been a little bit of an outcry, but there's no, I mean, as far as I can tell, there's no concerted statewide action to take a look at this, is there? No. And, and, you know, that that letter from the EPA, it came at the very tail end of the Obama administration. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so there's a very real question about whether the EPA, uh, under Donald Trump's administration, whether it will hold to the threats that it made in that letter. So in December, I mentioned primacy before. Uh, primacy, it's basically allowing the states to enforce their own regulations when it comes to water quality. But in exchange for that, the federal, uh, the, the U.S. government hands down federal dollars to the states to help them with that. So if you lose primacy, if, if the EPA takes over enforcement, we lose $150 million right off the bat, and potentially a lot more than that. Yeah. Uh, and we lose the ability to fund infrastructure improvements. And for some of these, the, the industry that's actually regulated, they don't want to see this because it could also mean uh, a chaotic transition to the federal government being the ones kind of overlooking, looking over their shoulders. Right now, there are only two um, either states or districts that are have lost or never got primacy. And that is Wyoming and the District of Columbia. Okay. So Pennsylvania, if it, if it did lose primacy, it would be part of a very exclusive club. <laughs> <laughs> that would put us on the forefront where we very rarely are. So, <laughs> so I guess kudos there, Pennsylvania. But, but there is a, there's a proposed solution. Yes. So I did want to talk about solutions before we wrap this up. So what, what's the proposed solution? Who's it coming from? So the, the DEP proposed a fee increase on public water systems, these utilities that would raise roughly $7.5 million. And according to the DEP, that those fee increases would cover hiring of more inspectors and getting to an adequate level where they could properly inspect all the water systems in the state. What would the, the adequate level be? Do you know, like, is there a number that they've given? I mean, it's not clear. I have not received a concrete number yeah. for the number of inspectors. But, but essentially, it's a rate. Mm-hmm. You know, they want, like, right, right now... Based on the, the, the number of drinking water inspectors that are fully trained and available, uh, each water inspector would be in charge of 198 water systems. To get, put that into context, the national average, according to a trade organization, is 67 water systems oh my God. per inspector. That's not good. And that's, even that's probably too high. Yeah. Uh, so, but the... Getting back to this fee increase, right, the right. EPA said that's not enough. The, the EPA, in a letter this spring, under the Trump administration, actually, uh, they, sent a, they sent a letter to the DEP saying that you need to get on this faster. The reason being, the fee increase would require, that would have to go through the regulatory process, which could take up to two years because it's a, it's a 
It's a very slow bureaucracy. Yes. A lot of stakeholders have to have input. And then there's appeals that can happen, and those can take a long time. And that's for very good reason, sure. because this fee increase would probably be covered by ratepayers. It would not, you know, it's not, a, it's not like it's a tax that is put into the budget. Uh, this would be covered by people who are on those systems. And for smaller water systems, places that cover, for example, a trailer park or a campground, they may not be able to cover a major sudden rate increase. Uh, so there's a good reason why it's a slow process, but that slow process means that we wouldn't be seeing water inspectors for two, maybe three years. So the EPA is saying, Pennsylvania, you need to work faster. Right now, the DEP hasn't really said what they plan to do to do that. Um, the 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 secretary of the DEP and Governor Wolf's administration have said that they're committed to fixing this problem, but they haven't really said specifically what they plan to do. A lot of it is tied into the budget right now, and it's really not clear where the money's going to come from because we have a we have a spending plan that was passed and allowed to become law, and. The spending plan, really, it it did not call for any significant increase in the DEP's budget. That would lead you, logically, to conclude that it's going to be difficult for them to hire more inspectors. Or they would have to find a Peter to rob in order to pay the Paul (laughs) of water inspectors. Yes, Wallace. They would have to rob someone. Yeah. They're unlikely to do so. Um, and it's it's not clear, you know, if, if that is the case, it's yeah. not clear who they would rob because right. the uh, Department of Environmental Protection, all of their, depart- <laughs> all of their uh, kind of responsibilities, all of the, the things that they do, um, they're stretched thin across, right. across when, the board. In your robbery analogy, this would be an internal fund transfer. <laughs> yes, yes. You, know, you, so, you would, you know, just hypothetically, yeah. you might take money from the oil and gas division yes. in order to fund the water inspectors. And, but yeah. if you do that, that leads to problems, more problems in the oil and gas division. Yeah, essentially, uh, the problem they're facing is that there's no surplus anywhere in the DEP. And, in fact... It's You're hard-pressed to find a surplus anywhere in state government right now. It's stretched fairly thin, although a lot of Republican lawmakers would still contest that we're spending too much money in various areas. There's a group of them. I think you missed this because you were out this week, Wallace, but there's a group looking to drain various what they call inconsequential funds to patch the $2 billion hole. That's a, um, a proposal we'll probably hear more about in the next week or so. But so that's their Peter. That's their Peter. Um, <laughs> so that's sort of like that's where we're at right now with this budget. Really hard pressed to find more revenue. Republicans are starting to talk about tax increases, which is when you know it's not super good. Yeah, and, and Republicans right now, they it seems like they're on a road potentially to a severance tax. It seems on extremely likely that extraction. we are on the road to the severance tax. The Senate has passed a plan that includes a severance tax. The House has said they have significant issues with it, but you talk to members on background or off the record, you essentially hear that now that the severance tax is out there, it's there. It's probably going to be in whatever final budget gets passed. Whenever a final budget gets passed, if a final budget gets passed. Um, so that's where we are on the budget. And I think that gives you an idea of the, the, the 
problems that the DEP faces in trying to correct this incredibly expensive issue, there's not a whole lot of resources it can turn to to find a solution. But it's, it's important to keep in mind, and, and the folks who are pushing hardest on this issue, they bring this up repeatedly. Yes. Flint, 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 Michigan. When you do not have proper oversight, there will be problems, and it's only a matter of time. And, and we're already seeing problems. Um, yeah. You know, what, what the DEP is doing, generally speaking, is they take their limited resources and they focus it to the er- areas that need the most attention. So recently there have been contamination incidents in Pittsburgh, York, and Steelton right here in Dolphin County, and those places have gotten a lot of attention. But the question is, for some of these smaller utilities, what could, what else could be waiting out there that may or may not be seen because there aren't enough drinking water inspectors? Well, I think that's a good place to leave it. Um, I, I, that gives a pretty concise overview of the problem. If you want more information on this, I would urge that you read Wallace's reporting. He's done, just search like Wallace McKelvey Water, you'll find it. Uh, <laughs> or follow him on Twitter, go to penlive.com, it's out there. Uh, Wallace, in the next couple of weeks, is there anything specifically you're looking at um, in terms of this? Well, I know we're, we're going to be focusing on redistricting yes, in the, the coming two, months. Yes, two of us, actually. <laughs> we have a, this is actually this is fun news. Yeah, Penn Live and WITF have a collaborative redistricting project that we're apparently starting work on this month or next month. It, it is happening, so look for that. Um, Anything else? Anything water-related on the agenda? Uh, I mean, right now we're trying. I'm trying to figure out how they're actually going to pay for the drinking water inspectors. Mm. Stay tuned. (laughs) Stay tuned. (laughs) On that note, we will be back next week. Thanks for listening. Mm